Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Curtin, I'm the Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. Now, in today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Dan Cole, who is the Senior Director of Product Management at Fret Connect. Before I bring Dan on here, I just want to give you a little bit of background on him before we get into today's subject matter. Dan's got 15 years of experience in product management and has a demonstrable history in the creation and total ownership of innovative software products across multiple industries. He's also an advocate for data-driven decision-making and is skilled in applying the latest startup methodologies to guide teams in building effective products and features. So Dan, welcome to the podcast and thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you very much for having me. Today, you're going to be discussing the importance of the process and knowledge sharing in the cyber world. And this comes in relation to you know skill gaps and juniors and people who are kind of looking to make an impact in the industry. So if I kind of dive off with the first question here of talking about common knowledge at this point, isn't it, that there's been kind of a skill gap issue across the cybersecurity industry, and it's been going on for quite some time. So although it might present itself as quite obvious. Could you outline why it's so important for businesses to have a sufficient number of in-house cybersecurity personnel? Absolutely. Now, obviously, cybersecurity is a relatively new discipline compared to more traditional roles like sales or marketing. And one of the things that we're seeing is that as a new discipline, Cybersecurity is starting to face a lot of those traditional challenges that you see when sort of a new discipline is created. And one of those is obviously the skills gap. And one of the things that we're seeing is that cybersecurity is starting to sort of realize that they are a new discipline and starting to take lessons learned from those other more legacy disciplines. So, for example, in things like software, we saw things like automation and having a single source of truth for data with sales in Salesforce. And then in marketing, they got things like HubSpot. And now in InfoSec, they're starting to realize that they need similar tools for things like automation and you know being a single source of truth. Mm. Now, in terms of the skills gap, one of the things that makes things very challenging in InfoSec more than those traditional disciplines is that there is a high degree of uncertainty. So not to continue to pick on sales and marketing, but they have a certain level of predictability. You can you know, plan a campaign, you can know how many cold calls you have to make, but in InfoSec, there's a lot more uncertainty in, ter- in terms of not knowing what an adversary is going to do, not knowing what tools, techniques, and procedures they are going to use. So you need to constantly be on the ready. And what that ultimately leads to is high degrees of tension, high degrees of stress, high degrees of turnover. And because you can't anticipate in advance what you know your needed capacity is going to be, it becomes even more critical than in those traditional disciplines to have more people on the team than maybe you might think. And I think that's an interesting point you raise about the challenges because the cybersecurity landscape and the security landscape in general is ever-changing. It's not a stagnant day-to-day kind of thing. Yes. And this leads to an issue where there's not really 
much time necessary to kind of have seniors train juniors and bring on new recruits and make sure that they're kind of, you know, not hand-holding to a degree, but, you know, giving them that confidence to take them through that process. So what kind of challenges does that aspect lead to? Really good point. And it kind of comes back to that idea of, like you said, the ever-changing nature. And things aren't just changing because of new technologies or because of, you know, new types of attacks. Things are changing because people leave. That's disruptive to any team. And we actually did a, a survey recently, and we asked a very simple question. We asked analysts in security, how do you spend your time versus how do you wish you spent your time? So what is you know taking up most of your day versus how do you wish you spent your day? And now ideally in a perfect world, we'd all be doing the things we love and that would be taking up most of our time. But what we found in InfoSec was that a lot of these analysts were spending time on things that were not things they wanted to be spending time on. Things like monitoring alerts or doing research when what they really wanted to be doing was maybe some higher level analysis, things like threat hunting. So there's definitely a a sort of a drudgery element to things. But getting back to that question of the challenges that come in between senior and junior, there's a huge ramp up period because you're not just needing to learn methodology if you're new to the industry. You need to learn how each distinct team operates, how each distinct environment operates. And getting those either junior analysts or analysts who are simply new to the team up to speed while you're still managing this inundation of alerts is really trying for the team and for the individual. Just as a side question to that then, when we're talking about this, and obviously this is a conversation I've I've had a couple of times where there's issues with the skill gap and bringing people into the industry. Do you think to a degree this level of understanding in the industry might put people off from wanting to enter it full stop because they know that there's this issue going on? Or do you think there's a way to kind of mitigate that issue? So what we've seen is that a lot of people are still excited about getting in to the industry. They hear those kinds of warnings about burnout and think it might not apply to me. Mm. But what actually tends to happen more often is they will get into it and then sort of be shell-shocked by the reality. You know, that can lead them to become you know, jaded or seek work elsewhere. Uh, and very often what this manifests as is not them leaving InfoSec, but them leaving each organization, which kind of compounds the problem because then you end up with more turnover, mm. and that increases the skills gap because all the you know, junior people are moving on or the senior people are moving on. So it ends up kind of becoming a, a cycle of uh, burnout, disillusionment, you know, which again is compounded by the challenges that are unique to InfoSec. Yeah, okay, no, I, I agree with that. So if, if we take that angle then, how should cybersecurity teams revamp their workflows to kind of accommodate the skill gaps and also mitigate its risk from a team perspective, but also from a, from a junior perspective? So InfoSec teams are full of very smart people. Mm. And one of the challenges is that we can't just transfer that intelligence from one analyst to the other by you know connecting their brains. So what needs to happen is either the the global infosec process knowledge that someone has or more often the institution specific knowledge that an analyst has needs to be 
memorialized somehow into something like a single source of truth. So if one analyst knows something about a particular adversary or about something like bad.com, every analyst might have a certain different opinion on that. So there needs to be sort of a centralized way of looking at a specific adversary or about bad.com. So all of that institutional or arcane knowledge can be stored in one place. But more than just knowledge about a particular threat, we also need to talk about storing process knowledge. So that analyst that has 20 years of experience and knows how to do things and has everything stored in binders or run books needs to take that process knowledge. And in the same way you might memorialize something like threat intelligence in one system, needs to memorialize that process knowledge in one system so that your single source of truth is not just about threats, it's about how to respond to threats so that you know a junior analyst can come in and not talk to that analyst or read through their stuff. They can just come in and get started right away with a process that has been embedded into something like a software platform. And then the second piece I would say on that beyond just you know taking that institutional knowledge, that arcane knowledge and memorializing it in software, one of the things that we see is that a junior analyst will come in They'll be looking at a particular threat or an alert. And the question is, what do I do here? What's the context? Why is this in here? Why is this bad? What do I do next? And today, what they do is, you know, they'll, they'll go ask the senior person, and that distracts the senior person from what they are working on. So one of the things that we find helps these junior analysts who are maybe, you know, looking for some context, some guidance is finding different ways to embed those kinds of answers directly in the software. So rather than the analyst needing to go, you know, ping the senior analyst for guidance, how can we sort of analyze, you know, the expertise of senior analysts from around the globe and sort of, you know, algorithmize, if that's a word, that expertise into something like reputation, risk scoring, recommended actions. So how can that sort of global knowledge be put in front of that junior analyst so that essentially we've taken the experienced analyst's brain and put it behind the data so that the junior analyst now has that additional context built in so they're not as lost when looking at that possible threat. Definitely, yeah. Would you say there's, in certain places, kind of a universal gap in, in specific areas, or is it every single person that comes in is different and you've got to treat it as they kind of come in and, and how they learn? So a lot of organizations are doing fantastic work about standardizing some of these knowledge gaps. So we're seeing less of you know that case where Everyone kind of brings their own separate piece of the puzzle to the table. I think there's a lot more standardization now than maybe we would have seen even five or 10 years ago. But where a lot of the missing pieces of the puzzle come in is that notion of uncertainty again, where you might come in with knowledge of how to respond to a particular type of attack, but adversaries are going to adapt. They're going to change. They're going to do things that you cannot necessarily predict and so that leads to the, the missing pieces of the puzzle. And so that's where it's even more critical 
to have that sort of memorialized process knowledge for the knowns or you know, memorialized threat intelligence for the knowns so that when the uncertainties do happen, you have those knowns to fall back on. You know, you're not you know, wasting time on the routine, but also what you also need with those you know, bits and pieces of uncertainty is ways to learn from them. So one of the things that really resonates with a lot of our customers is this notion of an eternal feedback loop mm. between intelligence and operations. So intelligence needs to inform action, but that's not a one-way street. And so when these uncertainties do happen, what's critical is that how you act on those uncertainties need to turn into lessons learned. So you're taking the actions you've taken, how they went, who did what, what happened, and you're memorializing that as new intelligence. So the next time something happens, you need to take action. You can take those lessons learned, fall back on them, and respond more effectively the next time. So as we kind of come to the end here, I kind of want to ask your recommendations or, or your advice, really, for what juniors can be doing to take that kind of edge off the skills gap. What would you want them to take away from this? So ideally, they'd be able to go to the more experienced analysts, learn from them, take classes, all that usual stuff. But the problem with that approach is that that still just benefits that one individual junior analyst. And I think we need to sort of confront this as a more holistic problem. So if you as a junior analyst are going to senior analysts for guidance, what you need to do is start evangelizing that knowledge transfer as something that can benefit other junior analysts. So come in with the tools that you need to capture that experience. So for example, if you're sitting down with an experienced analyst, learning from them, don't just take notes and leave, but come in with software that you can use to memorialize that process that they're teaching you. If they're keeping you know, their institutional knowledge on threats in spreadsheets, come in with some way to memorialize that so that it, it's not just living in spreadsheets, it's not just living in their heads. You as the junior analyst have now captured it in a way that can benefit you, but also the other junior analysts. And because that's now captured, you've minimized turnover, you're doing great things for your career because you are demonstrating how you're reducing both the burnout risk and the turnover risk. And ultimately it is a little self-serving because that process knowledge, that threat intelligence that you've now memorialized in the tools that you've brought to the table are going to benefit the organization as a whole. And that will you know, reflect well on you. It's always the best case scenario is to be proactive and just making sure that you're kind of ahead of the curve. And as you say, it, it benefits everyone when you do that. So Dan, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. It's been great speaking with you and providing your answers. It's been fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this. We hope you took a lot from this conversation, especially if you're a junior. There's a lot of good advice in here to kind of pick out and keep in your head as you kind of move forward throughout your career. Also, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasting source from. We'll be back soon with another episode in the Ask the Expert series. But until then, make sure you head on over to em360tech.com.
You've been listening to the EM360 Podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com. 